Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. Wade and I are here in the studio and we're going to continue our run through Martin Luther's life. It's more like a, it's a like leisurely a crawl. stroll at this point. It's yeah. like a crawl. Sometimes we just sit down. We're stopping to look at every like, yeah. uh, worm and flower along the way. Sometimes we just sit down for half an hour. Um, we've made it all the way to 1519, so we're really moving. Sort of um, there. Sort of there. We might have a little 1518 stuff. That's right. So last time we let off, left off in Augsburg, we had Cardinal Cayetan coming um, on the behalf of the Pope uh, to fix this Luther problem. Cardinal Cayetan fails at that. Um, it's not like a huge victory for Luther, I wouldn't say that, but it is a little bit of a turning point. And he heads back to Wittenberg. Uh, things are getting ramped up now. He is certainly on the radar of, of Rome, and he is considered a problem. And uh, probably today what we're really going to get into and concentrate them, uh, mostly is uh, the Leipzig debate. And so we're going to meet uh, Johannes Eck. We're going to, uh, pretty interesting character. He's going to come onto the scene. We might, we, get there. we might get there. We'll see. But we got a few things just to ha- uh, uh, that occurred at the end of 1518 and 1519. So in October, that's when Cardinal Cayetan had um, told Luther, you really need to recant and stop. <clears throat> teaching what you're teaching. Uh, Luther basically refuses and he heads back to Wittenberg and, as we mentioned before, uh, ends back at Wittenberg on uh, October 31st. So a lot happened in that one year of 1517. Went trick-or-treating. Yep. I yep. heard he, went as, he wore the scream mask from the old scream horror movie. I would have guessed that he went as a nun, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot happened in that. In that uh, those, and I remarked to you, uh, Wade, yesterday, just amazing how much happened um, 1517, 1518, and 1519, uh, just a lot. You have Heidelberg, you have the disputation on uh, scholastic theology, you have the posting of the 95 Theses, um, you have uh, Cardinal Cayetan coming to meet him, and uh, there's just a lot going on. And <clears throat> behind the scenes, there is now connections between Rome and Elector Frederick, and uh, there's some pressure there on Elector Frederick to kind of handle this problem. Elector Frederick actually sees this as uh, uh, an opportunity for him. You have the political backdrop of um, uh, the emperor, who's not necessarily always on the same page as the Italian pope. And so there's a lot of movement here, and Luther becomes, pawn is too strong of a word, um, but it's not like it's black and white for these political men. Like, either you're for the so-called Lutheran Reformation, although there isn't a Lutheran Reformation at this time, or you're for for the papacy. Oh no, there's a lot more going on here. And so we have this guy, uh, Karl von Miltitz, who is going to be sent by the Pope to, should we say, woo the elector uh, Frederick the Wise into his bidding. That's one of my strengths and strengths quest. We have two strengths quest here. I'm a wooer. Yeah. I like the woo. They got food down there. Warrior Underground. The Warrior yeah. Underground. I'll note just briefly too, Mike, we are, we're using our headsets again, and I apologize. I already uh, hit it once. So, like, I like to like rub my face or like, let's say I'm like touching my lips or something, so I apologize. I've learned too not to use Kleenex when I'm doing, but, but uh, could you describe what I'm doing right now, Mike? You're shaking your head. I really like, there's a lot of range of movement. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm kind of twisting at the waist now. Um but we did do a sniff test before because 
it is a not good allergy season for me. So if you hear, I'm blowing pretty hard to make that happen. I apologize, but overall we're uh, hoping to improve the sound with the headsets. But I just want to apologize in advance if I, out of habit, am rubbing my face or my beard because it's right where my beard is and I just mm -hmm. combed it. Right, so it looks very nice. Yeah, and uh, so I apologize. Maybe I should ask you maybe three different things, uh, Wade. One is... It's a um, uh, uh, Amish something beard oil. Yeah, it and is. And I, I actually use a brush, not a comb. That's you, two of the things I'm I'm guessing. You look... Yeah. Okay, what was well, the third? Okay, I, can I, I'm going to add three more after <laughs> that. Okay, the one is we have a new pope. So uh, Luther, when he comes from... Out of Augsburg, he says, I want to appeal to a, a pope now more informed. I can't remember how he exactly said that. So Leo X had come on to the scene. I'm, um, I'm not quite sure when. It's before Augsburg. Um, we'll have to look that up. But there is definitely a switch there in the papacy. In the political realm, you have Maximilian, who is going to uh, pass away in early of January. And in fact... Everybody knew he was going to pass away. He had Pope an accident. from uh, 9 March 1513 to his death in 1521. Okay. Lorenzo de' Medici. Yep. Very powerful Italian family, like the uh, Kardashians, Kardashians of, of, of the Pope's world. And, yep. uh, Italian political figures. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and the only reason I bring that up, even though it's like not a new, new Pope, is Luther wants to, okay. He, he has that line where he wants to appeal to a pope more more informed kind of thing. So um, he he's okay with saying, all right, okay, Rome, talk about this. Um, he's not afraid of that. You have Maximilian who is going to die. He knew he was going to die. He had an accident. In fact, uh, there would be a wooden coffin that followed him around wherever he went, and he would have traveled very extensively and... and um, uh, not just extensively, but very routinely, always on the go. Um, he's going to die in January, and so there's who's going to be the elector. We talked about that when we, uh, or who's going to be the emperor. We talked about that with our special episode on elector. Frederick, he almost becomes elector. Maybe he even was elector there for a few minutes. Um, the pope needs the political realm to get the elector he wants, and there's going to be pushback from different people. Because of that, obviously, power structures and the balance of power in Western Europe and really uh, Central Europe as well. Um, so you have that in the background as well. And then you also have this character, Karl von Miltitz. So, Wade, you can go in any direction you want from there um, just to get us uh, through the first half of 1519. Can I go to 1518? Yep, you sure can. Okay. Um, one of the things that Roper notes in her biography, and I think it's good to observe and to keep in mind, is that um, Luther at this time, after his encounter with Cayetan, which he really does think he owned Cayetan in this, he, uh, he won that decisively, and that they had had a notary and that there's a record of this. He um, think, thinks that that's very important. And, and so he is, um, a shift takes place, and he begins to talk more openly about his future martyrdom. He really, at this point, is becoming convinced that he will be um, a martyr. So this it's not his first near-death encounter. Uh, his you know earlier near-death encounter had taken him into the monastery. <coughs> um, but she does note um, that he makes more and more references to his martyrdom. And so it, it 
is beginning to come clear that Luther sees the writing on the wall that at least there's going to be some sort of radical break that's going to take place. Now, this doesn't mean that Luther is planning to leave the church, but he clearly seems to be grasping that the church is not going to have much room for him. And so kind of this heightened sense of his own martyrdom impending, um, and we know he will be sad and um, disappointed when he's not the first martyr for the Protestant cause. Instead, others are in Antwerp. Um, and he feels bad for them that they should die for what he started. But this um, this is something that kind of fuels him as he goes. And, and this then also, um, she says, serves as an emotional ratchet, right? So she says, each new argument left him at once more isolated and more elated. So the, the experience with Cariton really does push him, right? This is a, an important experience with an official papal representative, uh, deeper into um, his theological exploration and uh, makes him more cognizant of um, what the future might hold for him. And so this visit by Carl von Miltitz, who seems to have been not particularly capable at his task, almost is like a, a side thing for Luther. It just is never going to compare to what had taken place with Cayetan, where he'd had to take a stand, where he had had a back and forth with a um, a learned papal representative. Um, and so it, it seems uh, that Luther feels himself in a pretty comfortable place. He has, he thinks, overcome Cayetan, and now he has the protection of his elector. So I would say that, that Carl von Miltitz's ascent is much more a thing factoring into Frederick's thinking, mm -hmm. and it's much more an attempt um, to woo Frederick, to work through Frederick, um, to silence Luther, even if that means giving Luther a, a cardinal's hat. Um, and so, as Luther will be propelled into his experience in Leipzig, th there's a heightened sense that he is a man on a mission. And this is something that we just see clearly in the remainder of his ministry, is that, um, and this is why Luther will take theological disagreements so seriously, is he does not see theological disagreement with him as someone's disagreeing with him, in many cases, he sees this as uh, someone is disagreeing with God, and these disagreements take on an eschatological or an end times perspective. Um, this is antichrist, devil, um, papacy teaming up against the truth of the word of God. And so 1518 and then 1519 will be very important for shaping kind of the spirit and the tenor of how Luther will approach things. Um, I guess I'd like to let you jump in on anything more you have on Miltitz, and then I think I have another development in 1518 that I think we'd be remiss if we didn't hit on. Sure. So uh, von Miltitz comes <clears throat> the end of 1518 to meet with Elector Frederick, so I think Christmas time, maybe even on Christmas of 1518. He's from um, <clears throat> a wealthy family, um, but he's not the eldest or he's not the one that's going to take on the, the, the business, and so as, as noted... Uh, a lot of maybe these uh, either younger sons or middle sons, depending on what territory they were from, would be given a um, position in the church or like, here's a career for you. You know, go learn a little bit of law, but you can be a, a church lawyer or go be something like that. And so he's just kind of, you know, he's, he's a B-lister, right, from a B-list family. And I, I maybe reading between the lines a little bit here, I don't know if it's stated in any of the biographies, but 
this is kind of a big deal for him to be sent by the Pope. Un it yeah. seems to be under the authority of Cardinal Cayetan, sent by the Pope with uh, uh, the papal rose, which we'll talk about in a second. He is under Cayetan's authority, it seems, or at least uh, that's how I understand it. But there's maybe some communication gaps there. Like he's going as Carl Cayetan is leaving Augsburg. So he doesn't know he's not given, he's not been given the privy of what happened in Augsburg. He's not privy to all of that information. And it seems he's one to kind of take liberties as it is too. Like he'll kind of over promise or kind mm -hmm. of take things on that he necessarily hasn't had approval to do. And Elector Frederick, as we've already noted, is the skilled politician, right? And so he's able to see all through this. Now, Miltitz does have meetings with Luther, and I think Luther, can, I, I don't imagine Luther taking it all too seriously, you know, rolling his eyes maybe, maybe that's a little bit too strong. So Carl von Miltitz has the meetings with Elector, but also with Luther as well. <clears throat> and his mission seems to be, I mean, there's probably more going on here, but seems to be twofold. One is Maximilian the Emperor has died, <clears throat> and uh, the papacy um, wants the vote of one of the seven electors, Elector Frederick the Wise. And he also wants this Luther problem to go away. Um, so at first it seems to be a Luther issue, but then in early January, when Maximilian dies, uh, it seems that there it, it is twofold, maybe. Um, his mission to uh, Elector Frederick on behalf of, of the papacy. Um, <clears throat> so he comes with this papal rose, which is still a thing, uh, this golden rose, which is sort of uh, just a nice gesture, but a very high honor from the papacy to somebody. Um, it's kind of a big deal, although I, th I think maybe... Uh, Elector Frederick, correct me if I'm wrong, kind of sees through that. He's not all that impressed with this this fake award that he's getting. But definitely, they're trying to woo this very, very important person, um, Elector Frederick, for the upcoming election of the new uh, um, uh, of the new emperor of the Holy Roman Empire after Maximilian dies, and this Luther problem that's going on. <clears throat> um, eventually, as we know, um, Charles I of Spain, the grandson of Maximilian, is going to become Charles V of the Holy Roman Empire. He's going to win out, um, and uh, we'll, we'll meet him, of course, uh, in short order. So I'll kick it back to you, and you can talk more about 1518 if you'd like. Sure. No, that makes sense. Um, a lot of the, the... And we should, sorry, we should say Frederick refuses to send Luther to Rome, like... He's he's putting his foot down a little bit here too. It's this is not going to be an easy sell for for Miltitz. Yeah, and part of what Miltitz is going to promise Luther when they meet is that um, Luther can kind of have a trial before um, I believe the Archbishop or Bishop of Salzburg, which would have been favorable to Luther, um, and then Luther would kind of not write anymore for a bit and kind of apologize for causing controversy, but not really much is going to come of that and. Um, Luther later will just comment that Miltitz just didn't get how serious all this stuff was, right? He he underestimated uh, the gravity of the situation. But I think two things to keep in mind for 1518 that are very important is Luther goes back to Wittenberg, and he's very invested in things that are taking place in Wittenberg. Um, one will be the reform of the University of Wittenberg, so curricular reform, and that's going to build on um, something we talked about before with the disputation against scholastic theology. 
And I think the second big one, and he really should have his own session at some point, <clears throat> but we'd be very remiss, I think, if we did not mention it, is going to be, um, as part of the curricular reform, Luther is going to push for a Greek professor and a Hebrew professor. He thinks these are just things that Wittenberg has to have um, to be a, a university like he wants it to be. The Hebrew professor is going to prove to be much more difficult to find. Um, way down the road, a Hebrew professor at Wittenberg will be named Matthias Flatius Illyricus. But um, the Greek professor they will find, and they will find him uh, with the recommendation of a man named Johannes Reuklin, who was a renowned Hebrew scholar but had faced some opposition from the church because why would you want to be studying Hebrew, especially um, using uh, Jewish sources or studying with, uh, with Jews um, to improve your Hebrew language ability. But Reuklin is kind of a, a towering figure as an academic himself, but very important for the development of Hebrew scholarship um, at this time. And that will prove very important for the Reformation as well, although Reuklin's going to kind of back off of that, and there will be um, his nephew, and he will not be on the best terms later because of this. But Reuklin recommends someone, and it just so happens it's someone that he is related to, and it's someone whose education he has overseen um, after the death of this person's father. <clears throat> and that is a man probably apart from whom the Reformation, the Lutheran Reformation, would not have happened as it did. Um, someone who would be responsible for being at least a lead author um, for two uh, of the great Reformation um, confessions and uh, an author of a number of books that become very important for Reformation scholarship, his early Lotzi, um, especially. And this would be Philip Melanchthon. Uh, Philip Melanchthon is hired, so to speak, um, in 1518, um, he had been a Doogie Hauser of sorts, and so he had, um, none of my students ever get that reference, by the way, but uh, he had gone very quickly through the various um, stages of his academic training, and at one point, in fact, he actually, <coughs> uh, his application, as we'd call it today, had got denied um, to continue on at a university because he was going so quickly and they were kind of afraid he would be arrogant. Um, but he ends up finishing his education um, as he becomes right Master Philip, um, Magister Philip or Magister Philip, and uh, this will be Philip Melanchthon. And Philip Melanchthon originally comes especially to be a Greek teacher, a language teacher. Um, he comes and he is a humanist. He's very much... Um, influenced by men like Erasmus and Erasmus himself. And he comes to Wittenberg and he uh, helps Luther edit his Galatians commentary. Um, he is working with Luther on language things. Um, there's a lot of cooperation between these two men early on and very early on Luther recognizes what they have in Philip Melanchthon and Melanchthon um, begins to dive more deeply now into th theology as well. And Brecht kind of has a great line where he says, Melanchthon finds himself now trying to navigate between Erasmus and Wittenberg's Augustinian anthropology. Um, so coming to terms with reformational doctrine, and Melanchthon will be eventually one for what we now call the Reformation, um, working together on those projects, but then also on others and being colleagues in Wittenberg, these two men kind of become 
the two men apart from which the Lutheran Reformation could not have happened as it did um, and would not have had the uh, the flavor, the, the, um, the feel that it did. Uh, they will complement each other very well as far as their gifts, um, their tone, their dispositions. Um, Melanchthon is uh, kind of a small, skinny guy, a rather timid guy. His appearance was not very... Uh, intimidating or uh, impressive, and yet he quickly establishes himself as a very popular teacher, getting five to 600 people listening to his lectures. Um, Spalatin reports around this time Luther was getting about four, so Melanchthon is actually the more popular, I mean 400, that is, but um, Melanchthon's actually the more popular teacher. But while Luther is kind of the sharp theological mind, uh, the driving force, Melanchthon is the one who is going to express things and put things in just marvelously clear and articulate ways um, and probably will be responsible for educating, having more of a um, teacher-student relationship um, with more of the future Lutheran pastors and theologians than even Luther himself. And so the Reformation definitely will bear the marks of both of these men, and both of these men will oversee the curricular reform that takes place in Wittenberg, which means a move away from scholasticism, uh, a move away from a more Aristotelian way to approach things. And this is not only a reform of the theology curriculum, but of university education as a whole. Luther sees the liberal arts as being inseparable from doing theology well. And so this is also a, a an attempt to get Aristotle out so much of being a part of liberal arts education as well. Both men will be very important for drawing new faculty members to the city. Um, Luther, in many ways, his ministry in Wittenberg, um, part of it for the, for the rest of his life becomes keeping Philip there. Um, he's always worried about Philip's health, uh, making sure that Philip is um, duly compensated, um, eventually right, wanting to see uh, Philip get married so that he would uh, eat well and be looked after. You know, he's, Melanchthon is a, a scholar first. And so this will be something, uh, first Melanchthon and then the curricular reform, they'll be very critical to what uh, Luther is doing at this time. He's also lecturing on Galatians, as has been mentioned. That will be turned into the early Galatians commentary, but then also on the Psalms. And we'll see how both of those books mark his theology. Yeah, I mean, just a few things here, just broader things, too. I mean, one is that this is where humanism, good humanism kind of comes in, going back to the sources, the whole idea of getting into a Greek text specifically, but also eventually Hebrew texts and stuff like that. And that's going to be a huge point as we get into um, into Leipzig a little bit, or just, just this idea of actually finding out the truth. Um <clears throat> Luther does some research there. He takes on, uh, for instance, when uh, Johannes Eck is going to say, "Well, you know, the, this is the vicar of the vicar of of Christ is the bishop in Rome." As we all know, it's traced back to Peter. And Luther's like, "Do we have any historical evidence that Peter actually was, you know, in Rome?" You know, he's he's there is this humanistic kind of, in a good way. Let's go back to the sources, but also know our history. Um, you could see how there's early ties in with kind of Renaissance movie, movements there. 
um, to think these things through um, and uh, a rebirth of all kinds of knowledge and and that little subtle shift on the university level of curriculum is I, I don't know that we could overestimate it too, but I'm sure I, I would imagine that we've probably underestimated it a little bit well, as we look in, back. Well, being in higher ed right now, um, and I have to go to a strategic planning meeting later today, we know that a big part of being a university at that time too was finding your niche, right? What makes you where students should go? And this reform and these two men are going to make Wittenberg a destination college and they're going to oversee a, a time of very rapid growth and enrollment um, because Wittenberg has a very particular curriculum, because it is now um, home to some pretty renowned scholars. Yeah, and that was my second point was just the local economy of Wittenberg is going to, I mean, you, you have an influx of students. You're going to have then an influx of talent, as we've mentioned before in this series already. And I mean, I, I'm sure once we, it'll it'll be a while when we kind of settle down after 1521 and Verms and Vartberg and stuff like that, that we'll maybe probably take a breather and say, here's Lucas Cronach, here's the printing industry, here's now what it looks like to be in Wittenberg after even though it's a very short time, a lot happened from, uh, you know, when he first gets on the stage there, 1508, and then really 1511 uh, to 1521, 1522, a matter of a decade, really transformed quite a, quite a few things. And and um, uh, a talent attracts talent, right? This is what we're talking about, and and the university, and what a what a what a fascinating time to live in this small burg there. And literally, these are economic issues that are, that are are being for this local economy here um, and then of course on a broader scale with the the printing economy all over Europe so there's a lot that we with historical hindsight can go that's a big day when Melanchthon comes that's a big day when Elector Frederick decides to protect Luther that's a big day when this happens or that happens because we can see that with uh, historical hindsight I think too something to keep in mind is we build up to the Leipzig debate, which we'll cover next time, I think, probably, um, is outside of the growing relationship with, with Philip, probably Luther's most important relationship in Wittenberg at this time is with Karlstadt. Um, those two are working very closely together. Um, Luther is working through Karlstadt on a lot of things, right? Luther is saying, hey, maybe you should mention this to so-and-so, or maybe you should think about doing that. And Karlstadt is a very vocal supporter of Luther early on. It'll be Karlstadt who really um, gets the Leipzig debate as a thing, and then Luther will jump in. Um, but this will be important to keep in mind, too, because there will be a break with Karlstadt. And, um, you know, we can kind of get to that break and be like, oh, yep, Luther and Karlstadt didn't get along. Well, actually, they are getting along very well here. And without Karlstadt supporting Luther and egging Luther on, um, and it's Karlstadt writing a defense of the 95 Theses that gets him kind of quarreling with Eck. Um, things don't maybe go as they go, too. So Luther is um, building a base of support at the Wittenberg, or at the University of Wittenberg. And Luther is becoming very cognizant of, um, in many ways, his future and the future of a Reformation. Not that he's thinking, once again, of a Reformation as we think of it is going to be tied to what is happening at the university um, and to his colleagues. And if Luther will be anything throughout his life, it will be very collaborative with his colleagues. Um, he will take it very hard if a colleague turns on him, 
as we will see later with Karlstadt or with Agricola or with others. Um, But he also will lean on them a lot, whether that's Jonas translating his writings or Krusiger. These these colleagues become very much a part of the Reformation. And so if you've been to Wittenberg to the Castle Church or if you go sometime, you'll notice all these statues along the, the side walls in the Castle Church. And you might go, who are all these men? Walk through and kind of pay attention to those names because these are people who were very important for um, supporting Luther and, and St. Espalatin and others. He should be protected um, for writing in favor of the Reformation, for working with Luther on translations. Um, you know, iron sh- sharpens iron, and that really is going to take place. But this relationship, I think, in the lead up to 1519, that develops now, that gets underway very quickly between Melanchthon and Luther, is really what seals the deal of um, Luther will have the uh, the firepower, academic firepower, um, to really push um, his theological views and reform in Saxony and in Wittenberg. Um, Melanchthon is just a, a very special mind, one that doesn't come, um, come around very often. And as much as these two could have their hard moments, too, where Luther was kind of um, exhausted with Melanchthon being a little bit soft on stuff, maybe as he saw it. Um, you know, some of them Melanchthon didn't have the stomach of a martyr. And, and I don't think that's a harsh judgment. I don't know that I have the stomach of a, of, of a martyr. And um, I'm sure they, Melanchthon, if gave him truth serum, would be like, roll his eyes at the bombastic Luther exactly. sometimes. And this really bothered Luther, uh, Melanchthon because Luther sometimes um, not only blew up a relationship for himself, but ruined some relationships for Melanchthon where Melanchthon um, unnecessarily was forced to kind of choose between Luther and uh, and someone else. And, and Melanchthon was an academic. He was a scholar. He was part of a broader international community. Um, and so he does endure a lot because of this uh, friendship that develops with Luther. And so I think, uh, you know, this is just a, a crucial development at this time. And... Uh, as we, we make our way then to the Leipzig debate, I uh, um, can't remember if it's Schilling or Roper has a line of, if so far Luther's contact in debates or um, con- in uh, dialogues, discussions had been with father figures, we're now going to transition with act to where it'll be a battle of brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a fellow scholar. They knew each other before this. Yep, yeah, a fellow theologian. And we'll see now this is going to become... Uh, you know, controversy within the, the community in which Luther sees himself. And uh, and so the kind of beefing up the, of the Wittenberg faculty, the reform of the curriculum, the friendships he's building now are kind of, you know, he's getting ready to go into war. He kind of realizes what's coming. And so I think these are very critical for understanding this phase. And I think he he starts to become more prepared maybe yeah i mean like he's he's definitely preparing for this debate not that he was unprepared before um but maybe i i won't say learned a lesson from augsburg um but uh knew that this was that people were coming after him right and he's going to be frustrated at leipzig just as you know it's not going to be a this this huge moment or anything i mean he's going to be frustrated and we'll talk about how the debate went away from the key points that he wanted to debate and went on to something else and the importance of that. But, and um, he's going to go to the debate 
with colleagues and surrounded by kind of this rowdy group of, yeah, of <laughs> students, this is a Wittenberg community that's being built that will be very critical for his future. Yeah, and so I think we can wrap up here unless you had something else, Wade. This is not, I wouldn't say a shorter one, but kind of where we're supposed to be time-wise, yeah. <laughs> but we've gone a little bit longer. Um, but come back for Leipzig, and, and, and Leipzig's actually a really interesting story, and there's a lot of action going on there more than you think. I know I grew up kind of with that old black and white um, uh, Luther movie, and the Leipzig debate was the most boring part to me, you know, like, why are they just, this is, there's actually quite a few stories and fun stories about what happened in Leipzig um, leading up to uh, the debate, and then during the first part of the debate, it's actually a pretty exciting story. So we hope you can come back for uh, for our next uh, episode in this series on Martin Luther. Anything else, Wade? I let the bird fly. All right, thanks.